Welcome back to my show, everyone. I hope everyone had a, a beautiful and lovely week. I know uh, we're fast approaching the Christmas, Christmas, and uh, I personally observe uh, Yuletide, which is like a Celtic holiday. It's a Druid holiday. I'm, I'm just learning to explore my uh, ancestral roots, and it usually happens around the winter solstice, so it's not too far from now. Um, so I think maybe... Maybe that's what I'll do for my next show is just talk a little bit about Yuletide and um, what usually I'll do a little bit more of research and find out what usually happens around Yuletide and uh, the different kind of rituals and way to ways that Celts used to observe the holiday. And and of course, there's Christmas and there's a bunch of other fun festivals, so I hope whatever you're celebrating this year, I hope you're having a lot of fun. And I know it's a bit tough because of all the, you know, the restrictions and stuff like that. But I still think that it's important to visit with family and friends and uh, just or just try and enjoy the holidays as best you can. Um, you know, life is already kind of short and brutal before before even like the whole Rona thing that happened. Life was already kind of uh, you know, it could have its challenging moments and finding times just to celebrate and to find joy and meaning is is a good it's good for us. It's good for our souls. And to start off the day, just like with the other podcast or what the the other two shows, I'm gonna just kind of pause for a moment and share what what I'm grateful to for today. I think today I'm grateful for, well, it's been pretty cold here, but, and then with it being so cold, I'm just grateful to have a roof over my head and to have food and just a warm place to, uh, a warm place to live. And I'm grateful for my family and for just this really amazing opportunity to have a, a podcast like this I, I I mean it was just an idea a little while ago and now it's now it's happening and I'm, I'm truly grateful and I hope that um, you know my intentions is to put together some amazing sh- amazing shows to promote healing and love and uh, to explore esoteric science and to talk about current events I don't want to just talk about problems, though. Um, I think being aware and bringing attention to issues is very important. I also want to kind of look at some of the creative ways people are finding to resist back or some creative solutions that people have um, come up with that's helped them to navigate these strange times that we're in. And... For that, I'm truly grateful, and I hope that this show turns into something beautiful that can help people during these um, strange times that we're in. <laughs> I think I would, I suspect, because I, I do follow astrology, and I suspect, especially as Jupiter and Neptune head into Pisces early next year, well, you know, we may see some uh, kind of getting we may get more of a peek behind the curtain, so to speak, in terms of 
maybe there'll be some we'll be made aware of some illusions and some perhaps maybe some deception going on and I hope that it encourages more people to ask questions and just to explore study and research I think that we're at this point right now where leaving leaving these things up to experts or, or deferring to experts all the time for opinions is kind of it might be a little dis it leaves us at a disadvantage I think because then we don't really understand what because if we don't really understand what's going like if we don't take the time to research and to read and to learn about subjects like science, quantum physics, and and so on, if we just kind of leave those things to not saying that you know we have to get a PhD or anything, but if we keep leaving things to experts, then and we don't challenge experts, then I think because the danger is that some experts and it, it it's true, some of them a lot of them have been credentialed by this system. And so they serve the system, whether they realize it or not. And I'm not saying that they're all like, you know, bad or anything like that. I'm just saying that usually experts will have a very narrow, a very narrow focus on a topic, and they don't really have a broad focus. And when you encourage them to kind of step outside their comfort zone or their box, they'd rather stay in their comfort zone and their box. They just rather not know about it, because then it risks their position in society so I'm not saying that all of them are like this I'm sure there's some wonderful people out there that are have their hearts in the right place I just I just think that taking like I one of the people I follow his name is um John Trudell and I've listened to a number of his ex uh, his um lectures online and he was involved in the American Indian movement, and he passed away not too long ago, but he was a poet, and he did a, a number of lectures, and I think I've listened to quite a bit, and he talked about the gift of our intelligence, and using the gift of our intelligence to think coherently and to think creatively, and I think that and he also encouraged us to think more and believe less. And to think more means to, for me anyway, is to read and educate myself on what's going on. And I mean, I don't own a TV anymore. I don't miss TV. Um, I will watch a movie, watch movies periodically, especially if there might be something interesting. And then like if I think that maybe a movie has some something of value that I can kind of like use as an analogy for something else, then I'll, I'll, I'll use the movie. For the most part though, and, then, and this is me saying that like, I think I spend maybe too much time on YouTube and I need to spend more time focusing on reading and focusing on studying and focusing on this podcast. And that is my that is my goal or process to change those habits. I think the less time I spend on social media and less time I spend on screens, the better. And the more spent time I spend with like words or books or just writing, um, maybe exploring some art, is much better use of my time. And um, 
And so just kind of going back to the learning to think more. When we think more, we take responsibility. I feel like I take more responsibility for um, how I'm, I'm learning and how I'm showing up in the world. Whereas if I just be like believe something, um, you know, Draw Trudeau was saying it's almost kind of like a intellectually lazy, or sorry, intellectually lazy, and that kind of like, you know, it's almost like a way to stop thinking when we believe too much. Like belief could be very dangerous, and I agree with that. And I'd rather cultivate focus on cultivating coherent thinking, and even Rudolf Steiner called it uh, clear thinking. And, and it is a spiritual, part of our spiritual body is, is clear thinking. And I think that there, maybe that's why there's been such an attack on our um, attention spans. Like they have, and I, I, I'm guilty of this too, they have kind of, uh, with this technology, they almost colonized our attention span a bit. So I hope to, no, not hope, I am curbing how much time I spend with technology and just trying to be a little more meaningful or sorry, more mindful of how I spend my time with the screens. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's one thing if I'm, I'm maybe listening to a documentary or um, reading a white paper or something, but it's another thing if I'm just kind of wasting time, like, you know, going on YouTube and watching cat videos or something. So those are my thoughts just before we get into the book. Um, I think that in a way it kind of segues into the book and that book, for those of you who didn't listen to last week's show, I said that I was going to do, kind of give my thoughts on the book by the Magical Battle of Britain and it's, it, it was created by or written by Dion Fortune and it's a compilation of all her letters that she wrote to her, the members of her, uh, some of them were members of her fraternity, and I think from what I understand in her letters, some of them were, they were new to her uh, circle, but they wanted to help during uh, during the war. Like they wanted to uh, be part of the work that, the project that she was doing. And uh, Dion, for those of you who don't know who Dion Fortune is, uh, she was she was born between or she lived between 1890 and 1946, and uh, she was a pretty notable occultist, or she became a very uh, notable accomplished occultist, and uh, she was a counselor for psychotherapy, and an author. She's written a number of books on the esoteric science and. Uh, this isn't the first book of hers I've read. I read the, I think it's the Psychic, her Psychic Self-Defense book. Uh, I don't know if that's actually the title of the book, but I read, uh, I think it's just Psychic Self-Defense. And, um, and that was a really good book. I I learned a lot about how to protect myself spiritually and how to protect my aura. And... <clears throat> I learned about uh, thought forms and like, how important our thoughts are and our mind, our mind spaces. And that was a really good book. And I highly recommend reading that book if anyone's interested. 
in learning how to protect yourself spiritually. And if you're interested in the subject of like thought forms and kind of understanding auras, because she spoke, she speaks about that in her book. And <clears throat> I mean, as well as publishing books, she also uh, founded a esoteric order called the Fraternity of the Inner Light, and I believe it's still around today in the UK. And <clears throat> during during the war, so this book was about is about what the work that she did during the war to help the allies. But it was more so in the background. I mean, without this book, I wouldn't have known that she that this was happening. Um, she formed a meditation group of a. I don't know how many members there were. Like she didn't. It didn't really uh, say so in the the letters. But there were people that were eager to help during the war effort, and so she created a, a small group, and they. I, w I don't want to say retreated, but they were at one of her locations in Britain. And they would, uh, what she would do is she published, and you could read them. They're all the, most of the letters are in here. And so you can read the letters. I think it's in, it is in chronological order. And in those letters, she instructs her members what to do. Because like, what they did is that every Sunday they would meet and they would... Uh, form a meditation circle because what they were doing is that they were using they were working with thought forms and meditation to help boost the British morale during the war so that they didn't fall into despair and rather I mean rather than because they didn't focus on They weren't really focused on, um, weren't focused. They didn't focus on like fighting the Nazis on like the esoteric plane or anything like that, because they thought that that wasn't a really good use of, or Dion felt that that wasn't a very good use of the meditation. Instead, they focused on protecting Britain by keeping the morale uh, in a good kind of vibration. I don't know how else to describe it. But to keep the morale, to help boost the morale, to so that people will have the will and uh, the courage to kind of get through those dark times. And what they did was during the meditations, they would visualize. Well, kind of, I think the 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 symbols and the images kind of came to them as they practiced these this meditation. Um, what happened was that there was three central kind of symbols or figures, if you will that they formed in the group that helped kind of give the meditation a channel, like help, where they help, were able to channel the energy coming from the inner plane and kind of channel out to the, for the British people or for, the, the, for protecting Britain. And these symbols, there was three of them. Uh, the symbol was there were kind of um, uh, figures or... Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to describe, like, they're more than just symbols, and I'll, uh, and you'll know why in a second. So, what, one of the symbols was King Arthur, um, the second symbol was Merlin, and the third symbol was Jesus Christ. 
And so I, maybe symbol is not the right word. Like maybe I think figure is probably a better word. But there were these three figures, and they all worked together. Like it was more, it was kind of very close to if you could picture like a triangle. And they all they they worked together to form this triangle, and they used that those the power of those figures or those thought forms to for their channeling practices during the meditation. What was really also interesting is in one of the the letters, John Fortune encouraged her members to also, while they're meditating, to also picture kind of like a, a ring or um, a line of angels guarding the, the, guarding the sea, like guarding the, um, the British, uh, guarding Britain. So guarding the shores of Britain with the, would be a line of angels. And I thought that was really interesting and maybe it helped. I mean, that. I mean, Britain still get did go through the bombings, and they still went through um, a lot of trials. But I wonder if that. I mean, that was pretty cool, and it did. It, it was interesting because I mean, you know, you might people might dismiss this and be like, "Oh, that's kind of silly." Like, what is meditation? Like, how does that help anyone? Well, what was really interesting is when, as they were meditating, like they weren't. Like, John Fortune was very kind of clear that they weren't going to participate in politics. Like, this was mostly purely, like, focusing on the morale of the British people. But what was interesting was when they were, as they were meditating in the, kind of in the physical or, I guess, maybe the political sphere, you would see articles or speeches by some of the political leaders that would reflect what they were doing in the meditation. So it's almost like they, there was a physical correspondence to the work that they're doing on the inner plane. And Dion felt that before there were, could, could be physical, like change on the physical plane, that working in the inner plane was very important and the inner plane is I guess I think it, the inner plane is kind of like another word for the unseen it's like the spirit world and so by doing the work on the inner plane then you see the changes the corresponding changes on the physical plane and I thought that was interesting I thought that was pretty in, that, that was pretty cool I mean I don't know if Dion, I mean, I want to be careful not to get too overjoyed with Dion Fortune because I do know that there are people that use esoteric science for nefarious reasons. I mean, we're kind of familiar with like the the powers that shouldn't be and the elites and um, or sorry, the elites and the powers that shouldn't be are the same thing. But we're kind of but we're aware of those groups of people that are using symbols and words and they are using some like esoteric science to influence our minds and influence what's events on the physical plane, but for their own selfish interests. I mean, they'll say they'll pretend to care, but usually when they do something is for their own benefit. And I just want to say that, and even Dion, um, I did appreciate that she said that 
the esoteric sciences have their root in the mystery schools in Kemet, which is currently called Egypt. And I appreciate that because I've done some research into, there's a really good book I, I finished reading a couple months ago. It was called The Stolen, Stolen Legacy. And it's how Greece, or the Greeks, like Aristotle and Alexander the Great, when they were raided the Alexandrian library and stole a number of books out of that library. And it wasn't just the only library. There are other royal libraries that they took book from books from too. Oh, and by the way, I have, I made a mocha. I have coffee and hot chocolate. Uh, yeah, coffee and hot chocolate right now is pretty good. I mean, it's not like the, it's not the same as a mocha from a coffee shop, but it'll do. And it's still pretty good. So Alexander and Aristotle took these books out of the libraries in Kemet and they're often credited with, you know, I mean Aristotle, the Greeks are often credited with West, the starting Western civilization, but this book, um, you know, just shows that, for me anyway, that the Kemet is the true birthplace of Western civilization, that the mystery schools were never intended to be used for selfish purposes. The mystery schools in Kemet were used, or their purpose was to help initiates kind of get off the karmic wheel and to be able to ascend into higher realms. So they were never really about nefarious purposes they were genuinely trying to help people with their work through their karma and I mean I guess this is kind of I don't know if this is putting it properly but becoming the best versions of themselves like they had to initiates spent a long time studying and working on them like just doing the work on what's called the outer court before they were initiated into the schools. So it, it took a while to even be initiated into a mystery school. And then, and of course, now you have some of these groups using esoteric science for nefarious reasons, but I just want to, I mean, this channel, that's probably one of the, the focuses of this channel is to kind of go back in history and take a look at what actually happened because there's so much of history that, is a false reality, or maybe it wasn't reported on properly, or it just wasn't, or it's just forgotten. And I think looking at the, or reading Pan African scholars and African, and just African books, like that, I think that helps to paint or helps to clarify and understand what happened throughout history rather than just relying on Eurocentric books. And I, I mean, I'll read books from both worldviews and just take what is especially of European worldviews I'll, I'll read it and take what's useful um, and it's interesting to be able to learning how to compare and contrast the different worldviews and what I found about interesting about what the key takeaway for me from the magical battle of Britain was just how important our mind and our thoughts are I mean, I'm not um, an initiate for any school or anything like that. 
Um, but just how powerful and how wonderful meditation is and how rather than focusing on fighting with the opponent, although she was, she did think that uh, the Nazis in Germany were, were using their own uh, brand of esoteric science to further their own agenda. And, you know, she thought that Hitler was using astrology to map out his his uh, air raids. And I thought that was kind of interesting, and I wouldn't be surprised. So, I mean, like I said, it can be used for nefarious reasons, or it can be used to help, uh, to help oneself become the best version, to help you become the best version of yourself, or to help people fulfill their destiny on uh, planet Earth, like they're and just to have a better sense of, and it can help, at least for me, as I learn more about esoteric science, just appreciate how truly amazing and mysterious this world is. And so I guess it just depends on who, on the intention, and who uses the, on how esoteric science is used. But just kind of getting back to the thoughts, our thoughts on our mind space, like, I... Right now, I, like this book has encouraged me to kind of take a step back from like Facebook. I think I spend a lot of time on Facebook, and it, you know, I post memes and I talk about stuff of what's going on right now in the world and uh, medical freedom and that kind of thing. Um, I also try and share information about the fourth industrial revolution, about transhumanism, and so on. And sometimes it gets views and sometimes it doesn't. But what I notice on Facebook is that there's a lot of maybe mudslinging or I don't know. I just wonder if the energy on that social media platform and maybe other social media platforms is actually helping the rather than raising awareness, if it's actually helping the feed into this predatory system. Like, when I call, like, I, I'm guilty of this, you know, using, used to call people like sheep and whatnot. But I wonder if that's actually helpful now. Maybe instead of calling people sheep or engaging in the divide between people who have had the medical procedure and people who haven't, like, I wonder if it's better to take a step back and to focus on the bigger picture and maybe to even just deactivate my account and focus on how my work and my thoughts and actions can help boost the morale of the people around me and how that can maybe working with meditation and, and my thoughts like can I can can working on learning to work within do can doing the inner work within myself help call, help to encourage inner work in other people but without saying anything you know like if it causes a vibration to ripple out and encourage and then it like it boosts the vibration morale of the people around me and I wonder if that's a little more useful than going on Facebook and just posting memes. 
not to mention like there's the algorithms and the censorship and stuff like that and i wonder if engaging with these social media platforms all the time is kind of like a it's just a waste of energy and if it's just helping to feed this feed the predator energy i don't, I don't I wouldn't be surprised, and I think I'm going to try it. I think at the end of this month, I'm going to try just going off most of the social media platforms. I have, you know, my podcast, and um, I thought about starting a YouTube channel just to keep talking about this stuff. So I will be engaging with social media platforms a little bit. I just think that perhaps just being more mindful of where I put my attention and mindful of uh, I know that word kind of gets thrown around a lot too but just being aware of where I'm putting my attention and aware of how I'm shaping my own thoughts and where those thoughts are going just because our minds are so powerful and that's probably the biggest takeaway I got from Dion Fortune's The Magical Battle of Britain and she does uh, throughout the book or kind of later in the book once the once they realize that the tide in the war is changing towards the allies, um, towards like the allies and the outcome of the war where they win, she realizes then now, or she realizes that the meditations that they did on a weekly basis, they don't, she, she doesn't really need to do them as frequently, and she doesn't publish her letters as frequently as frequently because. At the early part of the war, she would send out a letter every week. <clears throat> and then towards the end of the war, it was just like once a month. But those letters that she sent out once a month had a lot of, have a lot of really good information about like esoteric science and the work on the inner plane. <clears throat> and I found, I found those to be just as interesting as the letters that she wrote during the initial stages of the war. So... Overall, the book was a pretty interesting. I'd recommend reading it. Uh, if you could find it at a local bookstore, that would be better than, or at least for me, I try and buy from local bookstores. And um, I'm sure if you check around your local bookstore, they will they might have a copy or they'll be able to order one in for you. And it's worth a read. It's not a very long book, but there's just a lot of really interesting information in those letters and I just thought it was really cool how like a small group of dedicated people with <clears throat> good thoughts and good intentions were able to help in the war effort towards morale and I think that's huge <coughs> so excuse me <coughs> sorry I'm still getting used to talking in the microphone and for, after a while my throat will start to get a little dry and they'll start to start coughing I guess maybe I should have some water next to me as I'm doing the show so I don't um you know so I don't like start coughing and and wheezing during the middle of a presentation so I'll have to make sure to have some more water with me and I just finishing off my thoughts on the book age how we're in the age of Aquarius right now I don't know if you follow astrology or if, or maybe you do, I'm not sure, but uh, 
Aquarius is an air sign. And what was interesting was that Dion of Fortune was saying that a lot of conflicts are going to be air-based. Like before then, like war, a lot of wars were fought in the sea or on earth, or sorry, on land. But the a lot of the wars that were, she was saying that the wars of the future will be fought in the skies. And I, I found that interesting because you, know, you think about drones and you think about air raids and airstrikes, but for me, mostly drones and robotics, like, and also thinking about like all the, the space, the Star Wars program and how they have like, satellites and all this stuff up in the skies right now. And it isn't for, and it's just for surveillance, just to keep an eye on what's going on in the planet. So that that kind of is coming true. Like there, there is a lot more, a lot more activity going on in the skies than I think what a lot of people realize. Like I, I've started noticing the skies as well. This is kind of keeping an eye on like airplanes and what they're doing up there and stuff like that. Um, she also said that another battleground is going to be for our minds, and I thought that was kind of huge. That that was true and it and that was a big puzzle piece that kind of fell in my lap as well because what's going on is totally a, a fight for our mind space right like there's a lot of propaganda a lot of fear a lot of misinformation so like sometimes it's hard to even tell like who where you know who's telling the truth and who's not like you know, this whole idea of, like, fake news and all this other stuff. And <clears throat> so the war is looks very different now than it did, like, 40 years ago, especially the mind, or especially over the mind. So if you haven't read books on, like, propaganda, <clears throat> especially by guys like Edward Bernays, if you don't know who Edward Bernays is, he was uh, Sigmund Freud's nephew, and he wrote, a number of books on propaganda and he wrote and then there's other people that have written books on propaganda but Edward Bernays is someone that kind of comes comes close to comes first or foremost to my mind right now and if you have a chance to learn more about propaganda and how that's used as a tool to like sell ideas I would consider learning more, like going in that direction and learning more because what's going on, there's a lot of propaganda and misinformation. It's just kind of hard to, you know, it isn't always easy to distinguish fact from fiction. And that kind of goes back to just learning to become your own expert and learning to like read white papers and read, understand some of the science that's going on and that kind of thing. Because I think leaving it up to experts, like it's, keeps us at a disadvantage whereas when we start to do research and understand what's going on then we it's almost like we start to empower ourselves so that was another really important takeaway from the book which I think is helpful for which I found helpful and I, I was wanting to share that so overall it was a really good book and I would encourage anyone who's interested in these sub subjects to check out her work and if you haven't read Psychic Self-Defense, that's a re another really good one. And I highly recommend that. I haven't read much of a, her other books. I've read Demon Lover. That was all right. Um, 
and she's written a few other a uh, number of others so she has a body of work that's maybe worth checking out uh, i think of all the books if you only were to read one or two definitely psychic self-defense that's i think that book is a really good resource to have in your personal library and with that being said, I think I'm going to start to uh, wrap up this podcast uh, for today. And I think next week, I'm going to do a book review, or maybe not so much review, because these aren't really reviews, they're more so my thoughts on the book, and kind of linking them to current events. So I, I wouldn't know, I don't know if I'd call these a review, but I'm going to give my thoughts on a beloved children's classic. classic. I've read it twice. It's called uh, A Wrinkle in Time, and the book is by Madeline Engel, I think. Madeline Engel. I, if I said that, said that wrong, I apologize. But So with all that, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in for uh, tonight at the Quantum Heart Cafe. And I hope all of you have a beautiful, wonderful week. And it's full of lots of joy and festivities, especially leading up to the holidays and Christmas and Yuletide. And thank you very much and just have a, have a great evening. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.